Welcome to the Ryan Holt Show. On this show, you can expect the latest, the greatest, and the best curated content on business, marketing, automotive, and lifestyle. Sit back, put in your earplugs, and let's enjoy the ride. Now, as always, I want to make sure you get the best in content that will help you monster your goals, both personally and professionally. I want to keep this conversation going, so please check me out on Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope at RyanHoltz1. And then go over to Facebook.com forward slash RyanHoltz Marketing, and we can chat there too. I also want you to visit www.ryanholtz.ca as this will be where I put my almighty beloved show notes. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I am proud to bring you the Ryan Holtz Show. Let the beat drop and enjoy. Uh, hey everyone, welcome to uh, the Ryan Holt Show podcast episode 12. Um, wow, I mean, all I have been hearing about is United, 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 and more United. Uh, we are going to talk about uh, the importance of that, we're going to talk about marketing, and we're going to talk about PR, and we're going to talk about customer service, and uh, why the little things really matter. So today I'm extremely excited to have an amazing guest uh, who I have met via Instagram. Her name is Dr. Danielle Gordon, and she attended the University of Waterloo in her hometown of Waterloo, Ontario, where she completed her Bachelor of Science and her Doctor of Optometry degree. I'm not going to read the full bio because I think it's kind of cool how she went from Waterloo to (laughs) Morinville. So, uh, Danielle, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me, Ryan. Perfect. So, uh, just give us a little bit more information about yourself. I mean, uh, you're an optometrist. How long you've been doing it? Why you even got into optometry? Um, and you know, how how are you liking it so far? Sure, absolutely. So, I graduated from Waterloo in 2006. So this would make it my 11th year of practice, which is hard to believe. It's gone by so quickly. Um, yeah, like you mentioned, I grew up in Waterloo, Ontario. I did all of my schooling there. I lived there for my whole life until I graduated from optometry school. And uh, I kind of fell into optometry through figuring out what I really enjoyed doing in university. You get exposed to a lot doing your Bachelor of Science degree. And I found I really had a passion for biology and for physics. And I thought optometry is a great marriage of the two. And, and that's sort of where I found myself. So that's sort of how I sort of got into the career in the first place. I got interested in the career in the first place. And you're wondering how I ended up in Morinville? Yes. Alberta. Um, well, in uh, undergrad, I met my now husband. Okay. Also He's also Ryan. And we uh, yeah. ended up getting into optometry school together. We were lab partners initially and then moved into optometry school together. And we were debating for a long time as to whether we stayed in Ontario where, you know, somewhere close to our hometowns or whether we should uh, kind of make a move and, and, and head west. Uh, the story behind that there is at the time, Alberta, uh, in terms of their scope of practice in optometry, you could do a lot more as an optometrist in Alberta at the time than you could in Ontario. Interesting. And okay. so we thought to ourselves, well, do we want to go somewhere and practice to our full potential or do we want to stay closer to home and have those advantages? And uh, while we were overseas on kind of a, a trip we took after school was over, we sat at a pub in Dublin, Ireland and decided to take a little risk. And so that's how the whole journey began. We were interviewed by a couple of optometrists of a few practices in Edmonton and also one in Morinville. And 
I ended up at that at that satellite practice full time. Okay, okay. So, what, what's some of the main differences you know is from coming from the East Coast to the West Coast? Well, you know, I think the biggest thing was more product at the time we moved. We moved in two thousand and six, and the economy here was insane. Yeah. At first, the, the the difference was tangible. Just seeing. Uh, in real estate, in uh, even to get a restaurant reservation, it just seemed like everything was going at warp speed. And so that was one of the biggest things we noticed. As new graduates, it was extremely exciting. We stepped into our clinics and were busy from the get-go. Yeah. So it was definitely a, a change that way. You know, it's, it's kind of it's interesting because... Um... You know, my main client base is is in the automotive and real estate sector. But, uh, I you know, I always found, you know, even automotive and real estate there, there's still two industries that they're really trying to get into the 2017 chapter, but they're still very old school in a way. And I when I look at medicine or dentistry or optometry or anything, anything like that, I, I I'd have to say, like, my view on it is. It's kind of a, it's still a little bit old school, but what I see is a lot of younger people, so graduates and things like that coming in, and just the way they market and their whole outlook on their practice is a lot different. Uh, there's one guy in Edmonton here that stands out to me. He's, a, he's an orthodontist, um, mm-hmm. and he's, a, he's an East Indian guy, and he's, I would say, probably, you know, early to mid-30s, and the way he markets himself, like, he's, he's so funny. He's wearing bow ties. He's got crazy socks. You know, I can tell, like, all the kids, a lot of young people love to go to him, um, <laughs> You know, do you feel that in optometry, and I, I guess I can speak from it from a patient standpoint, just because I know, you know, my optometrist, and I'm pretty sure he's, he's about to retire, um, but when I look at what you guys do for marketing, when I look at what he does, or if he does, <laughs> uh, there's a huge difference there. So I know you and your husband are, are both still younger. I mean, you're definitely on the younger side of things. And, um, you know, what do you do? Like, what's your perspective on, on the industry as a whole? You know, I think by and large as optometrists, we get fantastic training in terms of our craft, you know, our knowledge of, of the science and the medicine, everything behind what we do is, is up to par. But would you believe in all those four years of optometry school, we don't get a lot of business um, education. For yeah. us, when I was going through, we had one class for half an hour a week for a semester. And that was, that was it. So for a lot of people entering into business and optometry, they kind of put up their shingle and then learn on the fly. And that's essentially what I'm doing in terms of our marketing plan. I find that I look for similar industries, but also people that really resonate with me. And I find that like your orthodontist, um, example that you gave, I think people are, are reaching out new ways to connect. And I think that's really what it is. I think people are, despite the fact that the world is moving quickly and people are engaging differently, I think at the, at the end of it all, what they're really looking for is the same. Everyone's looking to connect. Everyone's looking to have a person they can trust. And it's just more about how you craft that message. And in healthcare, I think you have to be a bit more thought out about it these days. Maybe you had to before. Absolutely. I think, I think, you know, when I, in healthcare, even, even health, like some of the industries I really want to focus on in terms of bringing in people to interview is healthcare and, and law, because, you know, I, I find that anytime you get healthcare, there's definitely a lot of legislation and, and best practices and all kinds of red tape that you guys have to operate within because of the, you know, obvious reasons. And do you find that having all that there can, I guess, kind of cut out the creativity that you'd like to bring to the marketing or it could actually enhance it? You know, I haven't really found it so to be that way yet. Um, okay. 
I think if I was the kind of person to be more inclined to be a bit more edgy and a bit more racy, then I'd have to be more careful. Yep. But I think right now, within the range of what's appropriate, I think there's lots of room to grow. I mean, for us, uh, in terms of our personal branding, um, we're just simply messaging things we've been doing for a long time, but in a different way. So just to kind of back it up a little bit, uh, Ryan and I are partners in this group, but our other two partners are also a married couple. Yeah. And they're the founding partners. And they started, between the two of them, this group of four practices, uh, the first one was over 30 years ago. But they've always been about, you know, eye health and wellness. They've had a strong belief in supporting locally. Um, they've always also always given back. And so now it's about making sure we package that message in a way that's easily digestible. I think there's so many fun ways to go about doing that that still is very appropriate for people who work in healthcare. Absolutely. And are you and your husband, are you guys the younger partners or the other two partners, same age range as well? No. So they're probably about uh, 15 to 20 years older than we are. I think they're very smart. I think they're very smart. Yeah, I think they're very smart because they see what, you know, I would would attest to say, hey, you know, they they see what's going on. And I mean, it kind of leads me into my next question, which is, why, why is it you that's doing the marketing? How, how did you get tasked with that? <laughs> sure. No, that's a great question. Um, so probably about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, close to that now, um, I ended up joining the company. So my husband, Ryan, partnered about five or six years ago. And after we had our second baby, I kind of thought, and we'd always been very careful about working together. You yeah. know, as a, a couple, you kind of have yeah. to yeah. do away with Important. And for us, our marriage is most important. And I, I like my husband. I want to keep liking him. <laughs> I really, right? So we're always really careful about the idea of working together. But it became so obvious that we always had the same ideas about the same things. And we thought, well, why don't we see if we can put our ideas into the same place and ask our partners if they'd be willing to take on two married couples in, in a partnership role. Um, to which the answer was yes, which I'm thrilled about. And at the time when I joined, um, we needed a bit of a refresh in terms of our marketing. And I was also looking to carve out a niche for myself so that I could also contribute in a meaningful way to our partnership in ways that weren't already being done. And so we took on a huge rebrand. Um, we rebranded our logo. We changed our website. We hired a new marketing team. Yeah. And it was that marketing team who encouraged us to get involved with social media marketing. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I had a lot to learn. Um, yeah. As you can maybe imagine, you know, some people are early adopters and really engaged on social media. And I was kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum. I was on Facebook once or twice a year, usually on my birthday and at Christmas. And that was pretty well the extent of it. So learning about Instagram, learning about Twitter, learning about different ways to market yourself and also trying to stay true to um, ourselves as healthcare practitioners and also trying to cultivate a bit of a brand was was a really fun challenge for me. Um, and so I ended up taking that under my wing and it's been, it's been a real eye opener. Well, you know what I like? Uh, and again, and you know, I've been on your Instagram for quite some time and, and you know, you and I have had some direct messages and things like that. And, you know, it really, really cool. You know, I, there's something called, you know, I call it the, uh, you know, it, it, I call it the, um, intelligence, uh, inferiority complex because, uh, what I find with a lot of people in general, especially people who are educated, so you know, even if you go into the the doctors and the lawyers and the engineers and things like that, you know, we spend lots of years going to school uh, to get educated. But it, we have this thing where it's it's kind of like, well, if you want to be, you know, you you kind of want to keep it in in the family, so to speak. And I, I'll use that as the analogy. Whereas if we look at 
some of the you know most influential people in the world i mean they 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 were so great because they they really put a lot of their knowledge out there um and i know you and i briefly chatted i think you came onto my instagram live um mm-hmm. but you basically said you know i'm an introvert and uh you know how, how what would be some tips on um you know kind of pushing you know the boundary if i'm going to give a meeting and things like that and it's interesting you know I'll, I'll talk about my wife's father because he's a brilliant guy i mean i look up to him and you know they immigrated over from egypt and he did very well and you know had no money in the whole story and literally bought you know real estate and was an engineer and all that stuff um but he to this day is so introverted and i tell him all the time i'm like you know I want, you know, I gave you some homework to do. And he said, what do you mean that you gave me homework? I said, I wanted two chapters written and you couldn't even give me two chapters. And, (laughs) you know, I just said, you're such a smart man. I think it's such a, it's such a travesty to, to have all this knowledge and not, you know, put it on to others. So, you know, when I look at your guys' Instagram account, the number one thing I notice is in many ways, if I was to look at the grid, I wouldn't even think that you're an optometry clinic. And I think that's what's beautiful about it because you've added in so much lifestyle. Um, and even when you refer to each other, it's like Dr. Danielle and Dr. Ryan. And when I go to other optometrists, because before I hopped on the call here, you know, I did some of my little fact checking. And when I go to other optometry websites and stuff, it's always still like Dr. Gordon or Dr. The last name. And I think by you saying Dr. Danielle, like there's there's that personal approach to it. So I feel that... It's like, oh, you know, even my first impression of you, I'm like, man, that's cool. Maybe I should go get my eyes checked for her. That'd be like a hell of a conversation, right? So, I'd like to so, <laughs> so how, how have you got there? And what, what's your opinion of, like, you're an introverted person. Um, and do you find that, you know, does it, does it take away from what you really could give on a daily basis? Or is it something that's just kind of a maybe a, a little stepping stone to where you want to be? Or, or how does that even muddle in? You know, you being an optometrist, but then also doing the marketing and then also being involved with community. Sure. I think that's a really great question. You touched upon a lot of really interesting things there. So for me, joining our, I've always known I was introverted. I'm a card-carrying introvert for life, I think. But (laughs) uh, when I joined in a partnership capacity, I realized that I'm going to have to really be open to examining myself in a new way. And I don't think that being an introvert... Does that create vulnerability? Yeah, but I'm actually okay with it. You know, I think um, I'm always interested to hear people have to say about maybe how I communicate, even if it's critical. Yep. I think that helps me to grow, and that's what I'm most interested in. So, you know, I think I can can drop whatever ego I might have about my personality. And and I'm really curious to know how I come off, and I find that a really fascinating um, study. Uh, especially in terms of how it relates to engaging with a team from a more of a leadership position. Mm-hmm. I think being an introvert though has helped me in some ways in terms of connecting with my patients. You know, I think a lot of what we do has to do with listening mm. and if you're introverted. I think you find listening a lot easier. You know, introverts aren't always shy. You know, they're always happy to go to social engagements, but they're not going to be the loudest person in the room. They're probably going to want to sit back and observe and watch and listen. And I find that, when I'm asking people to tell me about their healthcare issues and I'm wanting them to go into more detail about the concerns they're having or about what needs they have for their lifestyle, I feel like the ability to pay attention to those things has been a huge asset for me. Absolutely. Conversely, though, where it's been a bit more of a challenge has been in putting myself out there uh, in certain ways where extroverts might have an easier time, for example, 
Well, podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> we're, po- um, we're popping the cherry on that one, though, today. So, I mean, you can strike that so. one off your list. I think I can, you know. Um, <laughs> but even uh, TV spots, I did a couple of those last year yeah. on behalf of our Alberta Association. And uh, even putting myself out there on social media, I, I find that certainly out of my comfort zone. Yep. But, uh, you know, each year I choose a theme word and, and by which I want to live my life. And last year was courage. And so I took a few chances last year. And this year it's play. And I want to have a little fun with it and see where things take me. So um, I think pushing yourself out of your comfort zone is a great thing. And uh, both uh, Ryan and I, my husband, have taken the chance to do that this year. And it's led to some really interesting conversations and some interesting opportunities. Yeah. I might have to put in the show notes. The Ryan she's referring to is her husband. We have the same name. <laughs> Makes everything so confusing, yeah. right? It's like, wait a second. <laughs> right? I'm like, no, no, I swear, I swear. No, you know, it's funny because you're an introvert and I know your background's Jamaican. And, you know, Bob mm-hmm. Marley says a great quote. He says, you know, once a man, twice a child. I like to say once a woman and man, twice a child because, you know. Uh, but, you know, it, it's kind of, it's, it's something to be said about that because, you know, you're a child. Then you grow and you're, you know, now an adult and then you become a child again in the sense because, you know, it's always like we're we're always learning. But it's funny because you're saying, well, I'm sitting down with patients and, you know, in order for me to break the ice with them or them to feel comfortable with me, I have to listen. And it's interesting because, you know, you're telling me so many things that have nothing to do with optometry, but it's all to do with human psychology and the binary components of a human being uh, are that we're flawed. I mean, that's the reality. It's binary. It's in our DNA that we're flawed. And flawed isn't a bad thing, but we make mistakes. We're always learning. But everybody I talk to, no matter what industry you come from, at the end of the day, I always say it comes down to one word. And marketing is one word, and that's people. It's all about people. And I do believe in this world that perception is reality. So when people give off a first impression, you know, there's never that opportunity for the second impression. And with social media... I think that everything you're seeing on social media, good and bad, it's always been there. But now we just kind of are seeing it because everybody's got a phone, right? Um, so that being said, I mean, when you're and I, I, you know, I have to talk about United. I mean, wow, you know, like, wow, you know, the the, the I don't know how much it would have cost to get their staff over to where they needed to go. But when their stock price takes like a billion dollar dip, I mean, this whole instance of united is going to be talked about by every marketing school out there for years to come as to what not to do and literally because one person had their phone out right uh what do you what do you think of that well you know i think and i'm sure you don't you guys don't reaccommodate patients (laughs) (laughs) the whole buzzword on this whole thing is reaccommodate right where we were reaccommodating a guest it's oh like if goodness. I showed up for an appointment and you overbooked me, you know, could you imagine your husband, Ryan, be like, yo, Ryan, you got to get out of here, man. We're over. We're overbooked today, you know, and throwing me out of the <laughs> clinic. That's what they called reaccommodation, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think really at the end of the day, the pressures to provide great customer service are still the same. Yep. I think where where people who are entrepreneurs and business owners really have to be careful is the spread of information and bad news travels so much quicker. Um, if you have one of those instances where you've insulted someone or you've inadvertently made them feel mistreated with the, the prevalence of social media, with, with Google reviews, with everything else, that word can spread so quickly. People who are upset with their treatment will spread the word so much faster than people who had a great time. Yeah. And 
So that doesn't, that shouldn't change the way you operate. That shouldn't change the way you treat people. At the end of the day, if your mandate is to treat people with kindness and respect, I think that goes a long way. And if you keep that up for every single person who enters your door, you'll do fine. But um, the challenge comes is when you maybe inadvertently do upset someone. A, how is that rectified? And B, how fast is that word spread? So it, it puts business in a very interesting position. Well, it, it, it does. And I, it does. And, and I think that, um, you know, when I go out and, you know, a lot, a big port- portion of my business is, you know, I consult, but I, I do a lot of uh, training, workshop, employee, everything from engineers to automotive. And um, there's been a, quite a few instances where, um, you know, a staff member works for a company and they're, they're considered a team member. Um, and it's a, it's, a, it's a slippery slope because, you don't have the right as an employer to tell your staff what they can or can't do on their personal Facebook. But it's really weird if that staff member was to go do something really horrific and then we go and Google, well, where's this person? What's their bio? Your guys' company name is getting dragged into the mix regardless. So mm-hmm. we call that a social media policy, right? A, a staff social media policy. How, how involved do you get your team uh, with social media or is it something that you guys talk about collectively as an ownership group? Um, you know, just saying, Hey, you know, the state of our business has really changed. Um, and when, you know, this person comes to work, they're doctor so-and-so, but when they're going out, you know, and getting drunk, that person's now that person, like, is that something where you guys have talked about it or even thought about it? You know, this is something that's, crossed my mind to broach uh, by the end of the year. Just to give you a bit of perspective, we just recently had um, a a huge team meeting, I guess a summit, if you will, Mm. with our our team, just kind of outlaying really our our strategy and our our thoughts about where we want to go in terms of our branding and our message. And that was really the first time we really sat everybody down to um, review kind of where we, where we are right now, where we hope to go in terms of social media specifically. Yeah. And so I think that was a great way to lay the foundation going forward. Now we do have a number of team members who aren't super active on social media. So it's not as big of a deal. Yeah. We also have a lot of millennials who are very comfortable engaging with all parts of their life on social media. <laughs> so I think the conversation has to be, what's your personal brand? How do you want to represent yourself? Um, not just for our company, but just in general. And I think that might help to lead everyone down a path where they're not putting things that are embarrassing or, or controversial on, on their social media platforms. But no, that's something I definitely have to, to address later on this year. How have you ended up addressing that with the groups you work for with a policy? Uh, I think, you know, the policy, it's, it's interesting, you know, in, in the automotive space, it's, it's a very um, sales focused environment. So a lot of the dealerships, you know, there's just under 400 new car dealers in Alberta, and I do a lot of the workshops to the Motor Dealers Association of Alberta, and they're the ones that will literally go to Ottawa and, you know, lobby bills and stuff like that. The automotive sector, and it's something that is, it's, you know, if you ask the average person, their dealings with the dealership are not the best. So it's not a, it's an industry that when you talk about like reputation management, the average mm-hmm. customer has not had an amazing experience, but now, you know, nobody wants to buy a car from a dealership. And I, I've said it time and time again. Um, but we want to buy the car from an individual. So what we what we have is I came up with a concept that's basically individual branding. So if you're if you're somebody selling vehicles at a dealership, it could be Ryan at, you know, dealer X, Y, Z. And then now I can deal with you directly, you and your husband. And then if you guys like my service, you can write a review. But that being said, 
that dealer now has their main Facebook, has their main Instagram and all these accounts. But if this person now is going off on their own and say marketing themselves individually, but still attached to the company, that's where that shade of gray comes in. Because uh, if the consumer says, well, you know, I think Ryan was doing some practices that were not so good. There's governing bodies that can step in and say, you know, basically like consumer protection. Um, But what I say to companies now when it, when it comes down to it is there needs to be a clear policy that's been reviewed with the staff. And it's, it's not to be a Debbie downer, but it's only simply to say, we have to be realistic of the world we now live in. You're an optometrist during the day. Now, when you leave, you're still an optometrist at night. And even if you say you're not because you, you know, you, you know, you, you, you left work, there's still something called the internet, which follows you everywhere. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not that you have to walk around saying, oh, I got a microscope on me. But in some cases, you kind of do now. I know for me, for instance, and I don't, you know, this is a good topic, but about two, three years ago, if I was to meet you in a professional context and you tried to add me on my personal Facebook page, I would not add you. And then what happened is, you know, and I, I go out in front of a lot of people on a daily basis and blah, 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 but you know, people would say, hey, Ryan, I sent you a friend request. And it's not on my business fan page. It's on my personal uh, Facebook. And then I would try to play it off like, oh, I never got that request. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, and then then I'd see the same person, you know, six months later. And they're like, geez, you know, do I stink? And I'm like, whoa, what do you mean? Well, I sent you another Facebook request. And I'm just like, what am I supposed to say to that? Like, oh, Facebook was wrong. It didn't come to my phone. Like, and it was yeah. weird because I said, okay, I'm going to accept it. But it's completely changed what I post on my personal Facebook now. So 50% of my friends list is professional. And then 50% is people I went to school with and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it's, it's changed. And everybody nowadays, you know, even if you look at like a, you know, doctor-patient policy, you know, your doctor-patient, I mean, there's rules and regulations as to, you know, probably not the best idea to take your patient out on a date. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. there's a lot of weird stuff happening even there, too, because the patient can be like, oh, hi, Danielle. How are you? Oh, my God. I seen that picture of your lovely kids. Like you're one click for me to know your life. Right. And I noticed that when I searched you on Facebook, you have your mar- I'm assuming that's your married name on there still. Yeah. And then Gordon is going to because I know you're Jamaican. So I know that's your maiden name. Right. That's right. But so look how much information I have. Right. And then Mm -hmm. I'm like, I know you like to run and like, it's just, it's, we're in an information like cosmos out there. Right. So like, how do you bridge the gap between personal and professional? I think for me, I've, at least over the past few years, I've opted to sort of almost blur that line. I kind of want to be the same person I am in and out of work. Uh I thought about, over the past couple of years, especially as I've gotten more involved with social media and seeing what people are doing from a business perspective, which has been really eye-opening, but also people who are very conscious about their personal brands have started to think about my life a little bit differently. Um, in terms of knowing what I'm about, but also then trying to live that in every aspect. I know you just had a, a baby, so yeah. congratulations. Yes, thank you. And becoming a parent has also changed um, I guess how, uh, consistent I want to be with being the same person. You know, I've thought a lot about what I stand for and, you know, I've kind of come down to 
for me, my, my rule to live by is I always try my best. It's something that I carry throughout, you know, even if I'm having a rough day with the kids, I'm just going to try my best to give my best energy uh, until their bedtime. You know, if I'm at work and I have a challenging patient, I'm going to do my best for them. I'm going to use my best knowledge. I'm going to not phone it in. You know, I'm going to leave work and do my best when I go to train for my running. I'm going to bring my best energy with my friends. And I feel like if I can maintain that consistency, I don't really have to worry about optometrist Danielle at work in a different Danielle way. But you I'll know just where the magic is, though, first. in my opinion? And this mm-hmm. is the thing is that, you know, it's funny because I spent a lot of years saying, well, you know, Ryan, like I'm a multifaceted individual. I'm, you know, I'm de- I'm an, I am a true entrepreneur through and through. And when, you know, it took me a long time. Even when I was in school, I come from a huge football background. Originally, when I went to university, I got a scholarship playing football and I wanted to be a psychiatrist. And I changed that into I really, you know, I like to make money. So, you know, that's where business came in. But the whole psychiatrist thing, it's all psychology and that that's all marketing, which it's actually been a great thing. But only when I, I went to the, the dark places in my, inside myself, meaning only when I was ready to show true vulnerability did I feel that I was actually not even just, it's just when it's everything started to propel. And even to this day, like I go and speak at a lot of schools regarding entrepreneurship, leadership and, uh, and mental health. And, you know, my mom had str- struggled with mental health and a lot of that. And, you know, I'm, I spoke at a school not too long ago and I think it was probably the first time I was extremely candid with, with kind of how I grew up and the messages I got from those kids and the teachers, but one message really stuck out. The one child said to me, one of my friends committed suicide the day before you came to speak at our school. And Mm -hmm. I just really want to say, I really loved your speech because, you know, young kids can always tell a phony and it just, it just, it just like tore a, a piece out of my heart because she said, young kids can recognize a phony. And I just thought to myself, whoa, you know, this is coming from a 12-year-old girl and mm-hmm. on Snapchat. <laughs> so, wow. you know, and it's funny. If you want to talk to young kids, don't call them, you know, message them on Snapchat, right? And yeah. I said a funny joke because I said, I hope no, you know, I got some police on my Instagram and I, I don't want them to, you know, find it weird that, you know, 25% of them are like 14-year-olds, right? But <laughs> I'm like, I swear I go to speak to schools, you know, go talk to the principal, right? But um, you know, it, it's just, and I, and I think like, you know, one of the reasons I really wanted to talk to you was, am I intrigued with Danielle, the optometrist? Not at all. Not really. I'm, I'm actually intrigued at the journey and the, the hustle that led up to that, but then kind of how you're coming into it now. And I think from my perspective, you're kind of changing the game. Maybe it's a small, you know, notion, but you're definitely rewriting what a, what a, a, a traditional optometrist looks like in my head. And I'm sure you're probably doing that in several other people's heads. So what do you think of that? Well, thank you for those kind words, for sure. Um, I I really appreciate that. It's very flattering. You know, I think generally speaking in life, maybe as you get older, maybe as you become a parent or as things change, you start to realize that life really is more than just checking in for your job, checking out, going through the motions. I think a lot about what life is, is really making genuine connections with people. And Mm -hmm. I think... For me, optometry just happens to be the vehicle for which I can do that. Ah, um, 
I have a really unique opportunity. I have, you know, 20 minutes to half an hour with people one-on-one in a room with minimal distractions to kind of get to the harder things. And you'd be really surprised about what people talk about, you know, they talk about their systemic illnesses from cancer to diabetes, how that's affected them, which family member they've lost recently. Um, tears are shed, genuine are had, you know, and, um, I was really inspired to communicate with my patients that way because of my husband, he's a lot more extroverted than I am. He (laughs) enjoys being off the cuff. He loves being a little controversial sometimes. He's not afraid to, to push the bar a little bit. And did you tell him you're going on a podcast? I did. And what did he say? He's like, really? <laughs> no, he's thrilled. I mean, he, so when we were first starting to practice, he would always tell me stories when we'd come home. You know, we were always comparing notes and talking about what eye disease we saw that day or how did you treat such and such. But he would also come home with stories about uh, patients, their personal lives, what they're up to, jokes he made, things he said. And I thought, well, this is fantastic. You know, I need to just sort of let go and um, open up and ask those questions and, and really you know, put on my listening hat and see what happens. And from that point, you know, 10 years ago, it's been a great um, opportunity for me to make those wonderful connections with people. That's sort of what drives loyalty. That's what brings people back. That was, that's what makes my job a ton of fun. So um, I think a lot of uh, people in healthcare have the opportunity to practice that way. And I'm seeing more and more people kind of breaking down those walls a little bit and, and making some more heartfelt connections with people. It's really something. Well, what's interesting too now, you know, it's it's interesting. My dentist, you know, I had a cool conversation. She's she was a, a dental hygienist, and she said it really bothered her that she she really wanted to go into dentistry. She wanted to become a dentist, and and at the age of forty five, she said she kept coming home and talking to her husband and saying, I, "I really regret not being a dentist. I'm a dental hygienist." And mm-hmm. they actually, he said, "You know, you need to go back to school." And she's like, "But we have kids, you know, and everything's established." And he said you're going to die regretting that you never, you know, went and became a dentist. And so I'm looking at her. I said, you went back to school at 40 something. And she's like, yeah. And she's like, you know, Ryan, it was really humbling. Like I was older than a lot of the teachers. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, there, I think there's something to be said about, um, you know, why you do what you do. How do you stay consistent and motivated on a daily basis? Like, how do you actually say, I'm going to go, I'm going to see patients. I'm going to, I still got to run a business. You're involved with that. I still got to do some marketing. I see that, you know, you're, you're responding to me. I mean, I've, I've left comments. You're responding nine and 10 at night. Like how do you stay motivated and consistent? I think I've been really lucky to find something I really love to do. Mm. It surprised me how much I enjoyed learning about the marketing side of things Really, I guess maybe I shouldn't have been surprised. It's still connection, but on a different level. So maybe, maybe it does go hand in hand with connecting with people one on one. If that's what I enjoy, maybe that should have made sense to me from the beginning. But that was definitely a surprise for me. Um, I think staying motivated kind of goes back to my personal mandate. I don't feel comfortable dropping the ball or giving it a a, a half, a fifty percent effort. You know, I always feel like I want to leave my day feeling satisfied. That I did my best at every point along the way. And it's not to say I don't have difficult moments or times where it's hard to get the energy up. But I I think for a lot of people who are in those positions, especially entrepreneurs who have invested not just, you know, money and education, but heart and, and time away from their families into their business, they really, that motivation almost comes naturally. Yeah. Because 
purpose is almost themselves, right? It's an extension of themselves. And so for me, that's sort of where I'm coming from. And that's how I, I end up staying motivated. I just don't ever want to feel like I didn't give it my best shot every day. Yes, yes, yes. You know, it's interesting because, uh, you know, I ask a lot of people like the question. It's weird. You know, I think in my it's interesting. You get to kind of see inside people's minds through their irises. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. But <laughs> literally, I always say, like, if you stare, <laughs> that was a corny joke, but it actually worked out. No pun intended on that one. But, you know, I always say, like, if you look into somebody's eyes, literally, I mean, you can see a lot. <laughs> I know you guys take it to another level, but, you know, it's interesting. Like, my my eye that I get to look through every day is is the people that I speak to or the people that, you know, I'm engaging with online or you know, and it's interesting because a lot of people, you know, will will say, hey, you know, what's some tips? What's some advice in my industry, in my business? It's a slippery slope between being that person that's like a mastermind and, you know, get on my program. And I built my business off of literally referrals. I've never walked into a company, never pitched. Um, mm-hmm. And I, you know, I'm, I'm I've, 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 I've maintained a very good business and. You know, it's weird. Like the name of my company is Reynolds Marketing. And even when, you know, I had one company, I started my first business at 24 and got bought out at 27. And that was an online marketing and video production company. Uh, and then I, you know, worked at a dealership, did some cool things anyways, and then opened up another business. And a lot of people are like, why did you name it Reinholds Marketing? And I said, because I just really wanted it to be to be simple and not dialed up, you know, calling it X, Y, Z or anything like just to have that direct you know, mm. hit to me. And uh, it's been really good because I think that marketing, it should be personalized. It should be um, very clear. It should be very, very simple. And I think that you really have to lead by example in that, in that, in that scenario, right? In that sense. But, um, you know, again, when I, when I look at what you're doing, um, I always ask the same question. People say, what would you give it for advice? Or how do I find what I really want to do? And I always ask people, if you're looking at something because you're motivated by money, it, the moment somebody says they're motivated by money in their profession, I just think that they're going to get beat. And the reason that is, is I think that money will take you to a certain level. And then that's about it because you got it's it, it's just like that thrill, you know, like everybody. If you study all the great people in the world, I mean, when you find that passion, the passion brings innovation, right? Innovation. Once you start getting that. You're, the rest is history. So do you think that you're in this for innovation? Yeah, I think in a way. I, I think I'm interested in taking some risks and maybe trying things a little bit differently uh, and seeing what pans out there. I think knowing what I like to see. So I, I guess kind of backing up a little bit, you know, when you end up owning your own business, you probably see other businesses in different ways, too. You look at what they're doing well. You look at what grabs your attention. You look at what makes you loyal to a certain business. And I'm really interested in finding ways within my field of of making that happen and trying a few things that may be a little bit different to see how it goes. And our, our social media is kind of one of those examples. Um, I don't know if you feel the same way. I was actually curious to know, um, even from the question you asked me before, uh, what maybe from your perspective, kind of, because you really are your brand, what motivates you day to day? Because you're out there on a more public platform more often. Do you find that it's innovation that motivates you or, or what sort of is at the, the base of what you do? You know what? It's interesting. It's funny. If I go speak to a room, I want 50% of the room to be absolutely appalled by me. 
and I want 50% of the room to love me um, because I feel that if I evoke no emotion and you don't remember me, it's the worst thing ever. You know, even I always say you have to be thought of in order to be ignored. And it's, you know, do not let perfection hinder you, but intent is everything. So I think what motivates me, it's tough. I I mean, to be quite frank with you, you know, I came out of, I think I came out of my mom's womb, you know, with a briefcase, you know, and, and (laughs) always wanting to get or achieve or, or do more, you know, football and and sports for me was a huge platform um, that really kind of gave me life skills. And, you know, I think just growing up, I mean, I, I, I'm literally like rags to riches story. I mean, I, I come from very humble beginnings and my mom was a single mom and my dad wasn't in my life. And, um, and my dad was Jamaican and my mom was German. And, you know, my mom passed away when I was 13 and that was a huge hit. And, you know, even I look at now my son and being, you know, uh, inter or, you know, what mulatto or half black, half white guy, whatever you want to say. I mean, that, that plays on my, on my psyche a lot because, I look at my son and I'm like, I want to be the father that I never had, you know? And, and I think that taking that role is different, but I think that self-awareness is key and I know what I'm great at and I know what I suck at and I love both equally. And what really drives me is it's family. You know, I love my wife and all that. I'll say all those things that everybody else says, but it's, it's, it's utter, it's just utter disruption. Like it's, it's, it's actually talking to somebody and saying, Maybe I can plant a seed or just evoke something within their brain, you know, and schools are a hot topic for me because the school system, in my opinion, my goodness, they're not teaching what they got to teach in a lot of ways, you know, and business. I took business, you know, and they never taught me about the stock market or flipping real estate or, you know, like you even said, hey, I went, you know, I took optometry, but they never really touched on how to how to like run a business aspect of it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think what drives me is just that seeing that change, um, seeing how people evolve. Um, mm-hmm. And it, 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 it's hard. It's almost hard to articulate it. It's something that's literally in my gut, you know, and I've always been, uh, you know, you mentioned your husband is kind of, he'll, you know, he, he'll be a little controversial. He'll, he'll step out a bit. And I, I'm that way, too. And I think that, you know, it, you just you just can't let life pass by. You know, and if you see something that's wrong, I think you should speak up. And if you mm-hmm. see something that's great, I think you should point that out as well. Um, but I think it's it's that journey, you know, and it's just kind of putting in that work, you know. And that's why this podcast, I started this podcast because it's just unfiltered, fun, and it's <laughs> just my style, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think there's always so many opportunities in life to be continually inspired. And I think for you, you have a huge opportunity on a, on a larger scale since you do so much public speaking to hear stories and make those connections and make a difference and kind of see it happening in real time. And yeah. for me, maybe it's even more suited to my personality. That's one-on-one every day that I get to. Absolutely. And maybe make the eye exam more than just a regular trip to the eye doctor. Maybe I can make it a place where I have some genuine connection with people and that's what makes it fun. Right. You know, it's funny. I was thinking about eyesight and I, you know, I like, I love fashion. I do like fashion. I like socks. I like all kinds of stuff and I mm-hmm. like glasses. And I mean, you know, for so many years, it's funny with glasses. Cause it's, you know, at one point they were not cool. Let's go get eye surgery. And then now Tom Ford comes out funkiness, you know, man, these glasses look great, you know, and it seems like they're, you know, I think glasses are like an extension of somebody's personality, which I'm assuming you, you would agree with. I would, um, yeah. Totally. yeah. Yeah. So uh, how do you. Like how, I mean, when, you know, 
how, how could I articulate the question? When somebody comes in and maybe they got really messed up eyesight, you know, mm-hmm. how, do you, how do you make that person feel like they can see the world as though you want them to see it? Which in your Instagram, you kind of articulate a lot of that. You, you don't necessarily talk about the glasses. You're talking about what that vision really can do for somebody, which when you really think about what you're saying, and I don't know if you even think about it this way. I mean, vision is everything in life, holistically, soulfully, you know, you know, I, I, one of my best friends is visually impaired, cannot see. And I just think about it. I'm like, wow, that's like one sense that you're given. That's a blessing because not everybody can see. No, and completely. And I think, uh, I can give a two part answer. I think the toughest population to introduce the concept of glasses to is for little kids. Mm. You know, they, for a lot of parents, it's a complete surprise to find out their child needs glasses. I mean, kids have a remarkable way of functioning in a way that may not always give you clues to the fact they can't see properly. They don't really know the difference. So, I mean, when all of a sudden they go to have their eyes examined, and you tell their mother or father that they need glasses. It's a bit of a switch. It's a, oh my goodness, my child isn't okay. What are they actually not seeing? How are they do in school then? What are they going to look like with their glasses on? Will they be made fun of? Like there's a whole set of emotions. And oftentimes there can be uh, a bit of an emotional reaction from the family, uh, the child included. Yeah. And so for me, it's about... A, turning that around into a bit of an opportunity to say, you know, yes, maybe your child's been missing something vision-wise, but here's a huge opportunity to make that better. Um, ideally, then I can also present opportunities where, yes, this will help your child's learning. This will make school much more easy for them. That'll give them self-confidence they need to become a better reader. And sometimes you have great reactions on their follow-up appointments from the kids. I had one little boy that I saw in Morinville back in the day. <laughs> and he was a hockey goalie and he had a high uh, farsighted prescription Yeah, and he was wearing his glasses. He was a goalie, a hockey goalie. And he was getting to the point where things were getting more competitive in his sport. And he said, the other kids on the other team know where my blind spot is in terms of where my glasses sit oh, and so they'll come at me from where my blind spot is and shoot from there. And I can't get the puck. Interesting. And, he was at that point where he was ready, I think, to handle the responsibility of contact lenses. And so we ended up fitting him with a pair. And when he came back for his follow-up, so I'd asked him to wear it to a game to see how it went. And he said, my save percentage went up. Interesting. And he's like, I feel so great about my performance. It's changed how I play hockey. And so that was incredibly rewarding. Um, we get a lot of kids who will say, my grades have improved tremendously. Um, since having my glasses on. These are kids who maybe thought they weren't very smart before, mm. but they really didn't see. And that's huge. You know, you think, education is such a differentiator for people. Do you think that the optometry industry in general, well, not well, maybe in Canada, because I guess you can speak to that, but, you know, mm-hmm. do you think they've done a good job of documenting what optometry really means to people with these micro examples of, yeah, like the guy's save percentage went up, or this and that, whereas, you know, again, most industries market on a macro level, which means, you know, we're marketing optometry because people's eyesight is not good and we need to give them glasses. I would say, well, duh, like obviously, right? But it's, you know, documenting the small stories that actually appeal to people. Because when I hear something that, oh, I was in Morinville and, you know, this, this boy who was playing as a goalie, everybody loves a story and marketing is storytelling. 
right? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I think maybe historically decades ago, I, I don't know that optometry did a, did the best job he could have in terms of getting that message across, but certainly efforts are being made in a provincial level and mm. on a national level. Now, I think there's that realization that there is that emotional connection to, to vision as being one of those senses that people don't want to lose. There's a real fear of, of losing vision. I think for a lot of people as they, as they get older, or if they know someone who's had vision loss. Um, but there's a bit of a disconnect sometimes in um, what people know to do about it. Where do I go to have my regular checkups? What does it mean to have this condition? You know, so I think we're getting better at it. And and I give credit to our Canadian Association, our Alberta Association. They're really making some nice strides to get the message out across a little bit better. Interesting. You know, it's funny. I It's a true story, too. When I was younger, my mom took me to the optometrist to uh mm-hmm. to uh, get an exam and i had such great vision but because i wanted glasses i actually lied to the optometrist and said that the last like one or two lines or three <laughs> lines were like kind of blurry okay. and uh, so anyways the optometrist you know came out and basically said well you know ryan's eyesight's really good but you know he might you know because i i would i said i used to say oh i you know i kind of get headaches when i read for long periods of time so i remember walking out of there with the light prescription and i got the glasses and then i got home and my mom's like, I'm like, I don't really need them. I've seen everything. She's like, what? And she's like, well, why do you want glasses? Like, I said, because I think it makes me look more distinguished and smarter. <laughs> so well, there's an element. Well, people are wearing glasses that aren't that don't have a prescription lens in them, though. You know, like, what's your thoughts on that? Which means it's a complete vain reason why they're wearing glasses. That's a fact. I mean, people are buying prescriptionless glasses. They are. And I think it's nice. Yeah. I mean, it's a great fashion extension. You have to admit a lot of people use glasses for many different reasons. I was recently listening to a, a Tony Robbins podcast about, um, creating an alter ego for yourself that maybe has the the skills that maybe you don't, that you feel you're lacking. And one guest was talking about how he entered into business kind of like you did when you're really young Yep. and you, he said he looked young even for his age. He said that what I use, I got a pair of non-prescription glasses to make myself look older to give myself the confidence I, you know, didn't have at that time, you know, being, I think he was in his early twenties and, and giving advice to people. And so it can, it can add not only fashion, but certainly a brand of confidence. It can switch things up a little bit for someone. So, and there's so many amazing styles out these days for young and for young, like kids, but also, uh, kind of heading into, you know, thirties, forties, fifties. that I think there's a lot, there's a lot for everyone to express their personal style through, through eyewear. And do you have, because you don't, you don't have glasses or do you? I know no, I've seen I a picture, but you don't have them. <laughs> no, this is true. I do wear glasses part time. Okay. Uh, Look at this. So a confessions right here. Look at. I, <laughs> I throw them on when I'm working on the computer okay. and I wear them sometimes at work. I'm kind of, I'm lucky that I have the luxury to kind of pick and choose when I wear them basically. Okay. So, but primarily would you, would you want to wear glasses or no? What you know, question. I think. For me, so there is this, uh, some people have a glasses face, Ryan, Yep. where they can just sport any frame. It looks amazing. For me, I find it's a bit more of a challenge. So I end up just sort of splitting my time between wearing them and not wearing them because I do have to get used to how I look with them on versus with them off. Yep. Um, if I, uh, felt like I probably was a bit more accustomed to my look in glasses. Yeah, I'd probably wear them a bit more often. Um, for example, uh, my husband has a higher prescription, so he's either wearing contacts or glasses. So he can just switch and, 
is nothing really different. But I know for me, when I put on my glasses, I feel distinctly different. So I have to always, you know, make sure it's, it's coordinating with everything the way I want it to. So it's a big thing for you. it's a big thing but I think what we really to be sensitive with with people in general is it's it changes the way you see your face okay what I mean I think for a lot of people they they have parts of their face they're self-conscious about parts they want to accentuate parts they don't outfits they want to wear it with and all kind of has to go together and to find that perfect frame to have someone feel comfortable is such a fun challenge I'm lucky I've got a couple pairs that make me feel that way and then it's more a matter of deciding when I feel best about wearing them. So like that um, guest on the Tony Robbins podcast, I'll almost probably always put them on for a presentation or a meeting. Interesting. I just feel better knowing that I can see everything as clearly as possible when I'm doing that sort of thing. When I'm in the exam room, I like to take them off because sometimes I feel a bit like it might be a barrier. And do you think people's perception changes because you have glasses on when you're giving a presentation? I wonder. I doubt it. I, I wonder. I mean, if you look at be, if you look at behavioral psychology, right? It's like you're sitting across, you know, somebody's desk. If you ever want to have fun with people, and I like to have fun with people all the time. The, the mm-hmm. times I do go into an office or you know, or meet with somebody, you know, they try to they kind of sit their chair higher in the desk, and your chair is lower. <laughs> it's like you've been a bad person. They want to have like this superiority. So yeah. what I usually do is I'll actually go sit in the other person's chair. So I'll sit in their desk, That's and. It's interesting because people's reactions are all they're all different. It's like if you ever walk into an elevator, everybody's always, you know, facing the front. But if you come into the elevator and you just like, you know, keep your back to the front and you stare at everyone. It's just like amazing the reactions you get. So, again, it's the perception. Right. So, you know, with the glasses, with your glasses, you know, again, do you think that because you perceive yourself differently that you're already perceiving a different kind of energy now pushing it out to the world? That's interesting. I haven't really thought about it that way, but you know, I probably have to agree with that. I was just thinking as you're talking about how, you know, we choose to present ourselves in our exam room and I make a point of never really introducing myself as Dr. Danielle or Dr. Gordon. I always just say, hi, I'm Danielle. Okay. Yeah. I feel like that helps to set the tone for a conversation. Um, I always sit with an open posture. I've been thinking a lot about that lately. If I'm left my own devices, I might cross my arms or, you know, sit that way, but that seems almost like a bit of a standoffish position. So I always like to keep my, my body posture open. Um, I try not to type when the person's talking to me, if I can help it. So I do think about those things in other ways. And I guess, yeah, I guess wearing glasses in the exam room would be the same kind of way you want to create and set the tone for the kind of interaction you're hoping to have. Interesting. Some people look better with glasses than without. (laughs) That's a fact. That's, there are who can really pull it off. You're right. Well, so, uh, you know, it's, it's funny. I just think about, you know, there should be a hashtag like funny glass stories or, you know, whatever, something like, you know. But anyways, it's, you know, I, I, I think about glasses and it's, it is. It's such a focal point of, of somebody's personality. And what's crazy about it is if, if a person's wearing glasses, it's mm-hmm. probably the first thing I notice on their face. You Absolutely. Know? absolutely not working well for their face you'll notice that too yeah and i'll look at it's funny because i'll look at things like are their lenses clean i'll look at (laughs) the bars on the glass so if somebody like i met i I met this guy the other day and he had these like black glasses on the phone it sounded very conservative and then i met him he's got this like bright white bars with the black you know frame and i was like interesting you know and Mm. and he you know it just it it just kind of indicated because to me right away i was like 
well, he can't be that conservative then, you know? And then sure enough, you start talking to him and he's at anything but. So it's like he's giving you a little bit of a, a taste through his glasses, right? Completely. And some people have done a really good job of making it an accessory and others have made it part of their, like a signature look. I mean, if you think about Martin Scorsese, you think about eyebrows and thick rim glasses, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, who have really kind of made it their, their signature. Uh, and it's interesting to see what people notice about what people are wearing and when. Well, you know, what's so funny too, is I think about glasses. I, I like wearing glasses if I don't have any facial hair. And I'll, I'll wear glasses if, if I don't, but I, I don't like the look of them if I have facial hair. Is it too much going on? <laughs> I find it's too much. Yeah, I find it's too much going on. And, I, you know, again, it's kind of the self-awareness where my style is funky. So I, I like, you know, just, you know, I like different things. But, it, you know, one thing, and it's interesting, I've had a lot of, do you know, do you know the brand Kit Nace? Have you heard of Kit Nace? Yes, I have. So Kit Nace, um, Kit Nace brought me in and did like a fitting complimentary from Instagram and basically brought me in as not like kind of like a brand ambassador, but basically they wanted to see how I like the clothes, how they fit the material. And then we just kind of talked about mindfulness. So they're doing a workshop coming up here in, in Edmonton. So they invited me to be a panelist on it. Ooh. And, you know, I was talking to them and it was interesting because their clothes I find are very you know, very clean. They're very simple. They don't have logos on them or anything. And, you know, it's just a very simple, you know, outfit. So I said to the guy, I said, well, how many, like, how many outfits do you have? He says, he said, I have three. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean you have three outfits? (laughs) And I'm thinking about my closet, right? Yeah. And he's like, well, you know, in, in fashion school, I basically, you know, studied the uniform mentality. And this is something that you, you might want to look up because I think I think based on what you said today, like it's something you'd be intrigued by. But mm-hmm. he basically said, you know, you need to like I go by the uniform mentality. But he looks so comfortable, like he just radiated like I'm comfortable. And I, it, it's weird because I I meet a lot of people and I don't get that kind of vibe a lot of the time. I find people are very sometimes uneasy. They're and I wouldn't say it's maybe confident or not confident. I don't think it's that. I think sometimes it's just like. I just didn't get that comfortable vibe, you know, and yeah, with him, he's very comfortable. And I said, what's the uniform mentality? So sure enough, I started Googling this and Steve Jobs wore the same thing every day. Roberto sure. Cavalli had the white shoes and all black. Um, and you start Mark Zuckerberg does the hoodie and the jeans. And you start looking at like everyone on what they're wearing. Kevin O'Leary even right. Red watch. And he's got, you know, the black suit, white shirt, black tie. Barack Obama only did a Navy dark suit. And one other color, and that was all he wore for his whole presidency. And mm-hmm. so they basically interviewed everybody and said, why do you, you know, basically wear the same outfit? And they said, because we have so many minute decisions and huge decisions to make. That's not one we want to do, you know, when we first wake up in the morning. And I thought, interesting, uniform mentality. But then I think about too? glasses and I'm like, yes, People have, you know, maybe two, three pairs of glasses. But for the most part, I think we could agree they wear one the majority of the time. Yeah. So that to me is like a uniform. It's like if you always, well, you're a, you're a woman, but if you do your hair the same, same, you know, way every day and mm-hmm. you wear the same glasses, well, that's kind of a uniform mentality because it's routine, right? A what little you- bit. And I think what people are looking for, I think you, despite the fact that, you know, you have a, a lot to choose from in your closet, you do sort of have a bit of a signature, Absolutely. People are kind of in the days in the day now where people are thinking very consciously about their personal brand. They sort of want to bring a signature way of being. I mean, if I look at 
Ryan Holtz's Instagram, I see color, I see flashy socks, I see bold, you know, and it kind of goes with who you are as a person. So it seems very harmonious. What is your opinion of my Instagram? Like if you've never met me in person, but you've, you've spoke to me now, but just not knowing, like, how do you, how do you, like, what's your judgment or what would, like, what's your perception at just as raw as you could say it? Like, cause I mean, I look at people's Instagrams too. And I kind of like, I, you know, I like to, I'm a, I'm kind of an investigator. I like to investigate. It's just my personality. So I don't, sure. really, I don't take things at first value. You know, I'm always like, okay, you know, and on Instagram and it might be something you want to try one day, but try messaging people you think are really cool and outgoing, direct message <laughs> them and just be like, yo, I really love what you're doing. Just want to say thanks, you know, for all the support and love and see your responses. And I think it, you'll have some interesting responses or non, none at all. I may just do that. You know, I think for, for us chatting for the first time today, you come across exactly how I'd expect you to come across upon first meeting you, you know, looking at your Instagram, I see someone who seems to say yes to life, someone who likes to kind of be out there a little bit with your fashion tastes and with, you know, even some of the facial expressions you make in social media, some of the candid shots you post. And so when I'm chatting with you now, I'm not surprised to find that you're also very candid. You're um, very open. I feel like you're inquisitive, and that comes across on your Instagram feed as well, just by the way you um, talk about some of the events that you're doing and the kind of wide array of things you're involved with. I feel like you're someone who's interested in finding out more about different opportunities. So I think what I really love about um, what I've discovered about you in this conversation is what you're putting out there social media-wise is very much what I'm seeing as someone meeting you for the first time. So it's yep. not a big talk. You yeah. know, I think that, I think that resonates well with me. Well, and that's where that, that's where that transparency comes in. You know, one thing though, it's interesting what you put out is what the expectation always is. But one thing that like deep down, I'm actually a very introverted person. It's, it's interesting because, you know, when it's business <laughs> mode, I'm a completely different person. Like I, I put on a completely different hat. But, you know, and I'm always uh, my, my personality is at the core is, is the same. But when I'm at, with my family and I, I hold that at the utmost, that's like my my lock and key. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm very cognitive of, you know, I've yeah, I've given, you know, my wife and my son and I'm very I'm still very like, OK, you know, I watch on how much and how detailed and, and things like that, because, you know, I think that, you know, you don't. I mean, I don't know all my Instagram following. I only know maybe 2%, right? But You want to keep some things to yourself, right? Yeah, yeah. So, but then when people meet me, I find that it evokes a lot of great energy and they're really pumped. Mm-hmm. And then they want to be lazy. And here's an interesting, <laughs> and I'll tell you what happens. They want yeah. me to carry the conversation. They're dying to know so much and this and that. And I'm... I find myself, I'm like, no, 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 no. Well, I'll contribute to the conversation, the interaction, but you mm-hmm. got to step up your game a bit. And then sometimes I do get disappointed and I'm just like, this person kind of sucks. And I, it's just in my head. And that's what happens because I just think I'm like, no, it's a two way street in life, you know, and mm-hmm. I've literally met people that are very big online and it's you meet them in person. Oh my goodness. You're just like, whoa, what happened? I guess for you being really socially involved in, in, or being really involved in social media with yourself personally, and it's, it's your own person, your branding. Do you ever feel concerned about that disconnect you might get from other people who seem one way online 
and are not that way in person? Does that throw you or does it happen often to you when you meet people in your day to day? Well, you know, I, I think, you know, the way I am, I never, ever cast that on anybody else. So I always, you know, hey, I might be this way, but you might be your way. And I think there's no right or wrong. I think that's really cool. It's funny, you know, I, I had a conversation with, just with my wife, actually, uh, earlier today. And because, you know, if somebody's outgoing and they're pushing, you know, and they meet somebody that's maybe more introverted and quiet, that's all good. But I, my belief is that you got to, you know, if somebody's not doing you any harm or, you know, but they're simply saying, hey, you know, I'm taking an interest in you. I want to get to know you in some capacity. You got to step up and even if you're introverted, kind of come out of that a little bit. And it's like talking to you, you said, hey, I'm an introvert, but talking to you today, I mean, you're stepping up and, you know, you know, putting your introvertedness aside for the greater good, so to speak, which that's commendable. But a lot of people out there, they're like, no, I'm introverted, so I'm going to stay introverted. Okay. (laughs) Like, you're going to miss some opportunities. I think where I find things really so so far in my and I don't think you're really introverted after this, by the way, I think you might have been false selling a bit like I'm looking at your Instagram right now. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, like you you put some stuff out there, and I see your personality, but you're very, you're 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 out there. I think like you're just the way you're talking. You you could push a lot more out there for sure. Well, I think it's a good challenge for in terms of for my personal development, um, engaging this way in social media because it's helped me to sort of take a, little bit, a few risks with what I put out there on our on our feed. Mm-hmm. I also have to be careful though because our feed represents our company. Absolutely, yep. Yeah. But I think for, for those introverts out there, I think we're, a lot of us are better one-on-one. So to be honest, I've totally enjoyed myself doing this podcast because it's a one-on-one conversation. I've really enjoyed learning a lot about, um, about you and what you have to say, but where I think introverts struggle, and this is where I'm really challenging myself is when it comes to presenting in front of people, when it comes to putting yourself out there in front of a group. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. By nature. We're not necessarily shy. We just prefer one-on-one interaction. If we're at a party, we're most likely going to be the one maybe in a corner chatting with somebody one-on-one as opposed to being the center of a really loud, boisterous story, right? So, But you're Jamaican. Are you half Jamaican? Like how much? You, no. You're and my full. parents are Jamaican. Yeah. So are they, are they intro? Like, I don't know if I've ever, if I've ever met an introverted Jamaican, Daniel. <laughs> you have not met my parents. <laughs> oh, so, because you've been, I'm assuming you've been to Jamaica, right? Yeah, many times. So, but so you know the culture. I mean, my goodness, right? It's like if if you know anybody that's conservative, just send them to Jamaica and they'll they'll get fixed up, right? But no, this is fair. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't say my folks are um, conservative in their ideology, but um, my dad was an accountant and my mom was a librarian. So just to give you, and I was an only child. So growing up in a house with very kind of academic, reserved people, I think gave me a certain outlook on life. Um, Not a bad one. No, no. Um, You know, my parents, although more quiet and more reserved and kept to themselves, were also, you know, ones to stand their ground when, when something meant something to them. There are ones to, you know, speak up when something was happening they didn't think was appropriate. Um, and I always, I said this about my dad at, at his funeral this year, you know, oh, my dad never. Sorry the, to hear that. No, and thank you. I appreciate that. Um, when I gave his eulogy, you know, I always saw him as sort of being a, a, a source of quiet strength. Mm. He's never going to be the loudest guy in the room. He's never going to 
operate from a place of, you know, trying to benefit his ego. Uh, but you also knew he wasn't a pushover. And yeah. I think I appreciate that a lot. I, I really see that part of my parents in a different way now that I'm older. Uh, and I appreciate it in a different way. Well, sub- subtle strength, you know, subtle strength is something to be said. It's, uh, it's interesting, you know, even when you're an extrovert, you know, it's, or an introverted, like I'm, I'm an introverted person, mm-hmm. but can, you know, really go extroverted if, if need be. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that in some situations that's what's demanded. So I have to deliver. And that's where, you know, a lot of life situations, I always say like, sometimes you got to step up, you got to step up. Right. But, um, I look at, you know, introvert versus extrovert and it's, you know, one thing I've been self-aware of is, uh, I think in the past, probably my earlier twenties, uh, I wasn't as good of a listener as I am now. I'm actually a fantastic listener, but I think my extrovertedness could have pushed somebody introverted a little in too much. And for me, if I want that person to come and be drawn out a bit, then I got to shape, I got to form myself a little bit to make, you know, make way for them to, to feel comfortable to do that. And I find that doing that, wow, you know, the door is open. When do you find you're the most introverted then? Is it in home life? How does that come out? Because it seems like you're able to kind of play both sides, which is a fantastic skill. Yeah, if you ask my wife, I mean, she's like, God, Ryan's always like, I, I'm always like, you know, even Ryan's always got an idea. He's, you know, he's always doing something like or, you know, he's but I think the introvertedness comes where. I keep my circle really, really close, you know, even uh, growing up, you know, playing sports, it, you know, you know, in, when you're in the social setting, I found myself being friends with everybody in school. But then I would always prefer to almost walk down the halls alone because I just didn't like being in big groups. But then Ooh. everybody was drawn to me. So it's like people, hey, Ryan, you want to come out this weekend or or this not even football? So, hey, you know, we're going to go out and have wings, you know, and, and I just was like, yeah, you know, and. And then, you know, I, I was also in band, so I, you know, I can play the saxophone, so I'd go to band class. <laughs> and people were like, what? Wait a second. And I'm like, no, it's just, I'm, you know, and I didn't know that, I think we would call the word now would be, I always think, I, and I think just because there's more focus drawn on it now, but back in the day, it's like, I wouldn't use the word creative because I always viewed somebody who's creative as like, you can draw or do things like that. Whereas I'm not creative that way, but I love music and I'm creative in my mind and I'm more of a mental type of creative person. You know what I mean? Um, is that how you get your energy? Sorry, say that again. Is that sort of how you get your energy? Like, is that sort of how you recharge your, yeah, your body? I do. And I love yoga, like yoga. I, I read that in your bio, but I love yoga. It's something that my wife introduced me to when I first met her and I, you know, it became just like, I mean, I was going more, I, you know, I go more than her and, <laughs> and it just, <laughs> was this thing that, wow, like I felt like it wasn't, there was nobody, like, you know, I always say like, you are your own enemy. And that's, you know, there's a good book by Ryan Holiday. It's called Ego's the Enemy. And I mean, you know, I think your biggest competitor in life is always going to be yourself. You know, if you wake up and have a bad day and walk out of your house and you feel that every, everything is negative, you're going to have a bad day guaranteed. Absolutely. But if you walk out of your house and you're like, listen, I know stuff. Hey, life is life. You know, whatever flat tire, got a ticket, something, everything just went wrong, but you're like, okay, well, tomorrow's a new day. And yes, we all get kicked in the mouth and you come back home and you're like, wow, like that was horrible, but it's just that perception, that attitude. So no, I think I'm more of an introvert when it comes to, yeah, the circle. And I'm all about the underdog. I'm all about the underdog. I will, 
I will stick up for 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 somebody who just is not in that position or mm. or is quote unquote weaker at that time or whatever it is. And there's something and I, I and to be quite honest with you, I'm ferocious when it comes to that. I'm you like maybe, a good comeback story? Yeah, you know it is, it is, and I I just I I want like I I I I, I thirst and I crave success. It's something that literally is bred into me. It's it's just how I was born. And I don't I just in some ways I'm fearless. So I think that, you know, a lot of things, for instance, speaking, right? I've never took any formal speaking. I've never mm-hmm. took any training on that. I've, you know, entrepreneurship, I mean, you know, barely took any classes regarding that. It's, you know, so I've I've just said, look, you know, I'm going to learn it. I'm going to do it, but I'm going to be self-aware. You know, the first couple speaking things I've done, I failed miserably. Uh, and now I go out there, you know, and, and, I, and I kill it. And, but how did you feel those first few failures then uh, you know how, how did i get through them out. yeah because i think a lot of people really could use to hear you know how someone comes back from that because we all we all have that in our business dealings in our daily life how did you handle that personally to get to where you want it to be i think i think i hand i think i failed it because i didn't you know per se take it seriously i think i've uh, you know a lot of my life i've always been somebody that you know if i can freestyle like you know even a workshop or a presentation or something like I could literally do one in an hour, prepare for it, and I'll go and deliver it as though I've been doing it for like two weeks. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think sometimes I'm like, don't worry, I'm going to kill it. And those first two, I mean, I just, you know, one was in Vegas and it's, oh, you know, I, I got the pictures. I got professional pictures. I've never posted one because I, I look at those things. I'm like, that was a miserable day. And it was on a big stage. And right. I failed that. And I think, you know, I, I, I put, you know, slides in and I... I think I failed it just because I overthought it. And I think I was going down the path of maybe trying to say stuff that people want to hear. And that was where I made my mistake. And, you know, when you become that speaker or that person that is going to say stuff that because you think that's what people want to hear, it's not it's it's in it's not genuine. You know, it's 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 not you. So I'm I'm delivering some content that's not Ryan. And I think for that, A, I didn't remember it good. B, I didn't deliver it good because it wasn't it wasn't good and it wasn't me. Right. And, and it's funny. And if people want to, you know, understand how to public speak, one thing I will say, because you're right, people could get good benefit. And I'll do a podcast on that because I think it, it's a topic that's a huge topic. But if you're going to be and I tell people this all the time, do not be a PowerPoint presenter. OK, do not live by the slides like it, you should see one of my first slides, like when I go to speak to the schools, one of my first slide is a picture of a guy's legs on the toilet using his phone. <laughs> OK, so that's automatically going to make the room kind of laugh. They're going to automatically ascertain, OK, this guy is a different kind of speaker and mm-hmm. you're already off to a good start because you've broken the ice. And a lot of if you look at my presentations or in my slides, 70 percent of them are images. You don't even see any words because how I present is. I'll see that slide of that guy and then I'll talk about why everybody in the room has used their cell phone in the toilet at least once and your phone is the most dirtiest thing you're touching right now. <laughs> and people are like, that's so true. And then I break into, well, do you know why mobile is so important in marketing? And you see how I segue that in? Totally. And then I go into a next slide where I talk about, you know, everybody who ever went to school or you walk from, you know, home to school. It's so funny if you had the sidewalk, if you notice sidewalks in any city, they're always straight and they make the L shape. But if there's a piece of grass, people always walk the easier route through the grass. 
So I always say it's it's sometimes you can say that you know the the design is beautiful, but what's the user experience like? You know, every yeah. time we build a sidewalk, it looks great, but then why do people cut through the grass? Right? Absolutely, yeah. So you it know, sounds like you kind of found a way that really you kind of found a way to sit in the pocket, I guess you could say. You kind of were testing it out in the beginning, and then you've now found a way to present that just represents you, and that's why it feels so much more comfortable and comes well, across. Well, it, it's not that too. It's it's also that I come in as a speaker, and sure they hire me and they pay me, and I come in, mm-hmm. uh, but the audience has just as much accountability as I do. So when I go speak to a group, I'm not speaking at them; I'm speaking with them, and and that's why. You know, I'll get people and I look for I look for the funny person in the room. You always have a funny person, class clown, yeah. right? You always have somebody that's like, oh, my God, you know, I'm just I don't 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 ask me a question. Don't <laughs> pick me. You know, don't do it. I'm going to sit in the back. So what do I do? I walk right to the back of the room because I'm like, you're there and I'm going to pick on you. And then, you know, I'm going to find the person that's like, don't worry, pick me, you know, pick me. Come on. You know, like they're, they're the ones that always had the hand up in class, you know, and then the teacher's like, not you today, Danielle, let Mark answer. Right. And it's, you know, it's funny because again, you know, those things are all relatable as kids, but we still do it as adults. Right. This is true. You know, you go to a conference, if you know somebody like, yo, save my seat. Where are you going to sit? You want to sit there? (laughs) Like it's. (laughs) you know you're just it doesn't matter even even your staff you know i'm sure that you guys meet as a whole group and you know maybe you know two of them kind of you know have a more established relationship maybe they do stuff outside of work and they're kind of always together you know and then like Mm -hmm. you can map who's gonna sit where almost right absolutely Absolutely. (laughs) so it just it never really changes that way you know and yeah, the introvert extrovert thing, I think sometimes I don't know that I put a lot of wholeness on it because I think that everybody has the capabilities, um, mm-hmm. you know, no matter what. I think an introvert and extrovert, it's needed. I think that everybody should have that capability because, you know, there's plenty of times for me where I just have to shut up. I, I shouldn't be talking. I don't mm-hmm. need to talk, you know, and I should be more of a listener. And, and you have to be cognizant of that, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think for, for me, what I'm learning is that my natural tendency of listening, um, and kind of stepping back a little bit, I may need to tweak just slightly now that I'm more in a leadership role. You know, I still will probably always be the person to choose my words carefully, only speak when I really feel like I have something important to contribute, but I may do that more often. So that'll be a fun challenge for, for me personally going forward. I think. Yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting, you know, and I think the cool thing about life and again, you know, interviewing people, even for yourself, you know, podcast, one of the reasons I created a podcast was, you know, I have a blog and my blog does really well, but Mm -hmm. I still don't get that interaction. If somebody goes to my website, they read my blog, they read it, but it's not like me and them are having this dialogue, you know, unless they send me a message or something. Um, video again, I think video is great and, you know, people vlog and they do the YouTube thing and that's, you know, a lot of people like, Hey man, I mean, I got a personality for that, but mm-hmm. I know that you're not going to be listening or watching that video while you're driving in your car, because to be honest, a lot of people are cheap. They don't want to pay for data <laughs> and video sucks it up. <laughs> I mean, and that's the honest, I, I can't even give you a fancier answer because that is kind of the truth, but people will download the podcast. They will listen to them when they're running. They will listen to them on their commute. They will listen to them if they're, you know, taking a bus or train or whatever. And it's crazy, you know, and 
these are, this is 12 episodes we're over 25,000 downloads and Amazing. you know the feedback has been uh, you know fantastic and you you know you get these pictures where people are, are actually listening to your podcast i had a guy in china who was like downtown on a train and he's sending me this image of his phone you know with the, no. with the podcast on it and it's I just think about it. I'm like, geez, you're speaking into a microphone, but then how many ears are you actually getting heard by? Right. And that's where I think that's the beauty. So that medium for me, I think I, I do, I do like the medium because I kind of, I kind of, you know, I always side with the people and people like what's on demand and when it's convenient for them. Absolutely. Right. It's a great form. Yeah. So, um, okay. Do you have any other questions for me? You know, I really am intrigued by what uh, entrepreneurs and people who find themselves in leadership positions do to get their mind into the right frame of mind. What do you find are sort of your daily habits, if you will, um, for getting yourself ready for your day? Or what do you find gets your mind to the right, gets your mind right? Let's put it that way. You know, one of the toughest things for me is... um it's so weird because I'm a morning person, but my mm-hmm. toughest part of my day is the morning um, because I find that I'm somebody that I already, I always, I already kind of have my head to where I want to go and mm-hmm. I, I have to like do my workout and then shower and the clothing thing I think was a little bit of an issue with the whole choosing the <laughs> outfit <laughs> and, and I felt like. You know, it's, it's it just became not fun in a way. And I think I, I'm somebody that's really, really high energy. So I would say that I have like a, a high functioning form of, I think, a little bit of anxiety for sure. Because I think I operate on such a high level um, that in the morning when I kick off, it's like you got to slow, slow down a bit and kind of catch your breath, you know, and. I got mm-hmm. an Apple watch because it reminded me to breathe. So my heart rate, like it takes your pulse and it's just like breathe. So um, yoga, again, is a part of that because yoga is like, like I, it's so funny, right? It, your personality is really reflective in anything you do because I go into yoga and I'm on the mat and I'm like, okay, I'm going to kill the next position. Okay, I'm going to kill, I'm going to kill, downward dog, downward <laughs> dog is going to be, I'm going to master it, you know, headstand and then. If I started doing that, man, I was falling everywhere, yelling. Like, I'm like, I'm sweating. I'm like, oh, my God, this pose is so hard. And the instructor, you know, and I know a lot of them now, but they come up. Ryan, are you thinking again? These poses are all about being in the moment. And it's true. Like, I can't cheat it. Right. And it's taught me to be more mindful and more self-aware in the moment. And I think I, I'm always somebody that's always going 5, 10, 15, 20 years ahead. And I have to say, I think depending on your upbringing and your family and, and how you were, that that will follow you throughout the, you know, throughout life. And, you know, people who have like my wife, completely different scenario, great parents, you know, no deaths. They're still alive. Fantastic, structured. And I see that she never had that worry that I had. And, you know, when you come from nothing and you've, you know, molded into something, my like literally my teachers, my coaches, those were my parents from the time I was 13 until I became an adult, even even around men. And this is funny because I think 
a lot of people that know me, they'd be like, really? But because I was raised by a woman and mm-hmm. I was a guy, my mom would always try to, okay, Ryan, you know, like, but I never had anybody teach me how to tie a tie. Like YouTube taught me how to tie a tie as a guy. And I think for many um, years, like I was almost awkward around guys, but I would never show that. But I was much more, I've always been much more comfortable with females. So if guys are going out for wings and the women are like, let's go shopping. I'm like, let's go shopping. Like, like it just was. something I know. Yeah. And then a lot of like women would say, you're like having a boyfriend and a girlfriend. Like you, you give the girl, like I could talk to you like a girlfriend and you could be the boyfriend. Like it's, but I mean, I think again, what I thought was a weakness. Oh, that was a damn strength, right? That ended up treating me really nice. But you know, it's, I, I just think that my back, my backstory was, is so big that I still to this day, it's something that I'm always trying to contextualize and really kind of move from and it's and i have to say and this is the truth my my because of my biggest weaknesses or my backstory the same things that brought me pain are the Mm -hmm. same things that are giving me absolute bliss and i don't know that a lot of people have lived a life like that and it is crazy but it's crazy like i think only when and that's why i said at the beginning i think only when you really say Here's some pain points of me, which are not a bad thing. There's nothing bad about that. It's only then when you really get blissful. And it's kind of why when you see in society, right? Like, it's amazing. You know, I've met, uh, I met a, an, another doctor who was a, a renowned psychiatrist. Like, man, I thought this guy would have so much ego and, you know, boom. And he was friends with another guy, which was a surgeon, a brain surgeon. And if you want to talk about God complex go talk to a brain surgeon. Like they're like, listen, I got your brain in my hands right now. Right. Yeah. And I talked, we, we had a conversation. It was random. And the one guy, the brain surgeon said, Ryan, I'm not going to lie. I think half the time I'm miserable. I, I don't feel good. You know, I, 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 I find it hard. So if you're basing your happiness off of what you do really well or your strengths all the time, I think you're really kind of leaving an opening uh, with your weaknesses. And that's probably fair. Yeah, I think, I think it is. So, you know, again, to your original question, um, as an entrepreneur, what kind of sets you right? Uh, routine, I, I do like to a certain degree, but I watch how much because I think routine, routine in my business, I don't think is the best because it makes you complacent. Uh, because as you know, marketing, Instagram's rolling out different updates, Facebook's changing. You have all these different things that are changing dramatically. Um, so you, you know, you have to be a sponge. And I think even for you, even though you're an optometrist, that's one, that's one hat that you wear, but you're, you're now an entrepreneur and you know, things can change on the fly for you. So routine is good to a certain degree. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think your family, I mean, your, your, your immediate family that you go home to every day, I mean, they're, they're so important. They're, okay. they're, they're so important. <laughs> they have to be your number one. Oh, they're your number one. Relationships that, and, and as you know, now with a baby, oh. they're interesting marker of time. Time goes by so fast. And my dog, Uma, I'm, a, I'm an animal lover. Uma sets me straight every day. And, you know, my wife, my wife, I married my wife because my wife... Uh, was probably is the only woman who who I met and she I could have the biggest accomplishment or the biggest drawback she doesn't care 
She just doesn't care. You know, if I didn't take out the garbage or do my chores around the house, it doesn't matter what kind of rock star I am. So it's she just always brings you back. It's that humility. And she's a very strong woman. She's a business owner, too. And, you know, she she just has that, you know, and I, and I go on record as saying this all the time. Women run the world. They do. Uh, it's just it's binary. Like it, you, you're very strong, you know. And I like where the world's going in that way where, you know, even, you know, when we talk about racial and politics and all that. But I think that, you know, the world now is starting to become more and more transparent. And that's why you're starting to see all these things happen. The Uniteds, the, you know, things are now coming to light because everybody has a voice and the voice is through an iPhone or an Android. Right. Um, And we're working. We're all working through it. But at the end of the day, we're all just people. And I always say, like. We're all just trying to get along and, and, and pursue what we want to pursue. And, but at the end of the day, we're, we're sharing the same roads, right? Eating the same food. Um, Got to get along. That's just it. I totally agree. And I really, and honest, honestly, the one thing that does help set me right is, is, is talking to people like yourself. I think it's, it's phenomenal. I mean, you've given me an hour and 27 minutes and 41 seconds of your time so far. That's amazing. You and it's and I'm sorry, props to you. You did your first podcast, but it's like it's it's great Friday. It's Easter weekend. Yeah. You I had a ton of fun. Yes. And fun conversations. And tell them. Ryan I thank him for uh for taking his time today, you know. So uh you know, and I, I'm I'm looking forward to uploading this and getting this up. I think it'll be fantastic. Um the last question I have for you though is Okay. Being how long? So how long has it been since you partnered in? About two years when I joined the group. So two years. What is because a lot of people who are in business will listen to this. Who? What? What would be your advice? You know what? Because you're coming. Okay, I like this. Technically, I would call you somebody who's more on the right hemisphere of your brain because you're very analytical attention to detail you'd have to be routine because you're coming in the met you're in the medical field so you can't say well ryan your iris is not really your iris like it is, you know you have to be very on point how right. do you take somebody who when you went to school i would say it's almost linear because you're learning of it's a very specific skill how do you how do you what would you what kind of advice would you give to somebody that is like an engineer a lawyer a doctor but now is putting on their you know, more left hemisphere hat, meaning, I mean, you're an entrepreneur. How do you, how do you come out of that? I'm a, I'm a doctor and we have to do things a certain way to, Hey, I'm going to do some marketing stuff and start running my business as an entrepreneur. I think you kind of have to, at least for me, what's worked for me is you kind of have to drop your guard. Um, I think for a lot of people and rightfully so, sometimes you feel like when you're in a certain position, you have to convey a certain image and that doesn't always go hand in hand with what you may want to do marketing wise or what's going to connect with people marketing wise. I think what a lot of professionals are finding now is that it's absolutely okay to get a bit more personal and it's absolutely okay to show your true personality. And I was probably most inspired uh, most recently with that when my dad was in the hospital. So he was in the ICU for 27 days and, you know, had a, a huge care team and a number of people working for him. And they were 
amazing. They're doing things they didn't have to do uh, from a healthcare perspective. He was having um, a scope done to look at his GI tract, for example. Yep. And the nurse and doctor said, hey, Danielle, Ryan, my husband, you can come in and take a look. <laughs> my husband. Too. Clear that up. Yeah, you can, you can come in and take a look if you want. So yeah. I sat there and procedure. Um, while I was watching the procedure, there was a nurse attending to my dad who took time to stroke his hair. Yeah. Oh. You don't have to do that. Yeah. But you did. You know, I are, had, you, were your, are your parents, uh, are they based in Calgary? Yeah. They, okay. they had moved to Calgary by this point. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, there were surgeons who were making critical decisions, yet taking the time to sit with us in a private room and talk about decisions they had to make personally with their loved ones. Yeah. Um, you know, the nurse on the day we had to let my dad go told us candidly she'd lost her sister and had to make that choice just two weeks before. Yeah. And I felt like seeing those professionals drop that guard um, allowed me to go through that process a lot more easily, but also to make those kinds of connections. And I think that's the exact same kind of thing you have to do with marketing. That's the same kind of thing those doctors and professionals and lawyers and engineers can do in their day-to-day. Um, for me personally, this might not work for everybody, but it's just really all about making those genuine connections. How do you change someone's day for the better through what you do. And I think if you can keep that front of mind, it gives you good direction in terms of what you want to do professionally, but also with respect to your personal brand and your business brand. Yeah. You, you know what? I think it's, uh, I think, I think uh, I, I hear what you're saying. I, you know, having, a, having our, having Dejan, you know, going through the pregnancy process, which was great. And then, you know, going to the hospital for, for Nora and I, cause it's our first child. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, the yeah, the nurses were just you know, and and Nora's family. I mean, her mom is in the health field too, and you know, so you're just yeah, you you know, I was really shocked because I, it's it almost was like everybody was a was a friend, and it was very very uh, sobering, you know, and and even the uh, you know the OB and the like, he was amazing, and you know, it it I, it, it was it was very humbling, and I think that. I think there's something to be said for everything. And I know, I know one thing with doctors, like on the medical side, a lot of the big issue was bedside manners where some doctors would almost come across like cold, right? Very, very textbook and almost kind of cut off. Right. Mm-hmm. But you know, you you have to change that now. And I, and I do see that a lot. I think it's kind of true in life in general. And I, you know, it's weird. If you ask me, Ryan, do you know what you know to its entirety? And I will say, no, not at all. I think I I became a great um, I'm great at learning because I think that sometimes if you ask me my opinion on something yesterday as opposed to today, it might be a different opinion just because I got a different perspective or I had a conversation with somebody. It's not easy. Like I think it. I think to some degree I love it. It's a challenge though. It is. It's a challenge. But and, and some days I get my butt kicked. I get my butt kicked. Like I just I just do. And I, you know, I just like, why? Like, why did I get my butt kicked yesterday? You know, like, and it's, you know, I, I think with you too and people that are wanting to go places in life, you got to get your butt kicked along the way. Because I think, I think if you never get your butt kicked, I don't think you're doing anything different. You know what I mean? No, I think for a lot of people who, that I look up to business-wise and that I kind of follow a little bit, they're very comfortable with making mistakes yeah and they don't leave you those mistakes as failures if they learn something from it and you'll see for all these people who 
have had great successes. They also had what could be considered massive failures, but they just sort of have that push and that drive. And I find that really fascinating and really compelling. And that's why you probably do what you do. Absolutely. And just last question, what is, what is your social strategy for, for your locations? Do you have it actually written or is it more of a company, you know, slogan statement, but like what, what are you trying to do? I mean, I see on Instagram, Twitter, I know you're not so much there. Um, Instagram, you're, you love Instagram. Is Instagram your number one out of all the platforms? Yeah. Instagram probably is my number one. I mean, why is that? I really like that it's visual. I find (laughs) that that works given that there's a bit of a fashion element to what we do. I think it works with us supporting other local businesses that can tie in with us. Um, it works to show us behind the scenes. So for me, as sort of a social media novice, when I was looking at the platforms, I found that one the most, the easiest one to get engaged with. So I could probably use to branch out and maybe differentiate our Twitter and Facebook strategy. But for now, it's been mainly on Instagram. And I think what really helped me in the beginning to streamline our our feed was to keep our messaging to kind of three main things. You know, our group, we're all about eye health and overall physical wellness and mental wellness. We're all about supporting local businesses and brands. Um, And we're all about giving back on a local and global level. And I feel like all of our posts, or at least I try to be really conscious of it, tie back to those three pillars. They do. And that's something that I found to be sustainable because it's something that our founding partners live by. It's something that my husband and I live by. And so really it makes the messaging so much easier because it's not forced. It's exactly who we are. And I would venture to say, and I'm just looking right here, um, (laughs) and maybe I haven't looked, but I mean, off the top of my head, I have never, you have your first three grids and then you have on your 11th photo, there's a sale. And (laughs) I mean, you're virtually like, you don't do any sales pitching on your Instagram. There's it's, it's all life, which brings me back to, do you, do you know the, um, you know, do you know the ideology behind inbound marketing? A little bit, you know, I think what's your understanding of it? I think inbound marketing is, at least to me, what it's meant is to provide your audience with information. It's not casting a wide net and hoping to catch a lot of people. It's more delivering very specific messaging and hoping to attract people who will authentically and automatically engage with what you're with what you're saying. That's sort of what it means to me. Correct me if I'm wrong, though. No, in a nutshell. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, our whole world is going into an inbound marketing type of deal only because you know, there's so much advertisement being thrown at people on a daily basis that, you know, if you're in the market for a car, you're in the market for like, even dentistry is interesting. You know, back in the day, if you're a dentist and you open up a shop, you're busy and that's competitive. Now they go to market, they go to market. You don't just get patients when you're a dentist. Uh, Sorry. No, I totally agree. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, it's now you're, you're, you're having people that never had to market kind of market, but you're right. Inbound marketing is kind of beautiful because it's, you know, when you're putting out kind of content and, you know, I always say when you put out something, you know, is there is there any value to what you're doing, you know, to, to somebody who may be seeing it? Because, you know, I call it top of mind marketing, meaning, 
yeah, it's like, even for me, I'm like, oh, I come through Calgary all the time. I have a good basis in Calgary. Jeez, I got to go check Danielle if I need some frames or something, right? (laughs) And I don't, you know, even the presence of mind to say, hey, I wonder if she'll come on the show. You've inbound marketed me because you never approached me. I approached you. But when your customer approaches you, it's a done deal. And and the relationship's going to be a lot better. And if you ever want the analogy, it's like in the single days, if you paid somebody to go on a date with you, <laughs> like that's, first of all, that's called something else, but the relationship <laughs> is not off to a good start because we would not call that organic or holistic, right? Oh, completely. It, it's got to be like, you know, you want, you want a relationship to, to begin organically because it's probably going to lo- last a lot longer than something that was forced, right? Well, you know, one of the, the groups that I follow on Instagram and, and she has a very specific um, vibe herself. She's very much like you where her, she is a sole owner of her business and she is her brand. She's an optometrist out of Oakland and she probably had the most followers of any optometry group I'd seen in my searches on Instagram. And so I gave her a phone call and I said, you know, how have you found this? Has it been worth your while? And she said, absolutely. She said, but the messaging I'm able to do, um, and the personal and, and clinic brand I'm able to do by Instagram, I find that my Instagram users are mostly local. I've been very careful about that. Um, and I find that once they come into my clinic, they're Can you already... Back it up one sec, though? You, okay. What? So you just called her. You called her. Yeah. So that's like, okay, how, like, why, like, how did you have the courage to call her? I've decided this year to... Like, wow. Curiosity. <laughs> that's not introverted, by the way. That's not introverted. No, here's the thing. <laughs> This, okay, uh-huh. okay, this is you. You must have heard of G- Gary Vaynerchuk, right? Yeah, you know what? I know the name, but you're gonna have to refresh my memory. Yeah, Gary V. I mean, marketing. He's like you know, be, like an internet celebrity. I mean, he's fantastic. He's he he. In my opinion, I mean, he's he's one of the guys in my in, in my industry. I just hands down, he's real. I mean, he he doesn't glam it up. He's not using big fancy words. He's you know, he's all about the people, which is fantastic. But you know, I was listening to his show and so he does like a call-in program and one guy called in and said, oh, you know, I'm a, I'm a website designer. How do I get business, Gary? And he said, you know what you need to do? He said, you need to type in the hashtag of your, of your city and, you know, of whatever industry you're trying to get in and then go into Instagram and message every single person. Because <laughs> he's like, it's a law of numbers. You know, you know if you message 100 Probably 80 are not going to you know, get back to you, but maybe 10 will. But there you go. So for yeah. you, you said, hey, I really like what this person's doing. I'm going to pick up the phone and figure out. That's exactly what you did. It is. And I was just so curious. You know, I've decided to kind of act on that curiosity this year and say yes to things and try new things. And she was totally open and very candid about saying that the patients who come into her clinic already from Instagram are engaged they're excited about being there they follow they have do you know her username danielle yeah so let's let's give her a shout out do you know what you know what her company name is i do indeed she's dr tanya gill from oakland vision center and then what's her username on instagram she's oakland vision center oakland vision center and is she like is that oakland california yeah it is interesting okay she also um created her own line of tea tree oil based all natural um eye cleansing system like a lid she's a a busy lady but she was a a ton of fun to talk to and 
I gained some really interesting perspective from her. So I found that to be such a worthwhile conversation and to hear from someone who's been in the social media game for a bit longer than I have for an optometry clinic as well. Yeah. Had some amazing insights. And she said, yeah, absolutely. It's a fantastic way to connect with people and to get them engaged even before they come in your doors. And you know the you know the first thing I noticed too, I was looking at her post. I don't know if this is her, but she's got the hashtag we love eyes and then the hashtag Dr. Tanya Gill. It's mm-hmm. it's really interesting. And that's where I think when I talked to you, that was the one that was the one thing. I it's not I wouldn't I'm not gonna I don't I wouldn't say it's a tip for you, but one thing that I you know, my perspective on what you do and then talking to you because what really set it off for me, though, was how you talk to me in direct message, because you, okay. uh, you seem very personal, personable. And I and I really like that because, again, <laughs> and I, I challenge you to do this at some point, like take, you know, and you got to you got to do a good number, but take like 30, you know, maybe Instagram people that you have never talked to before, but maybe you like their pictures and they liked yours and just send them a direct message and then see the response, because a lot of them like sometimes like they just some won't even respond back mm-hmm. and then some will respond like with like an emoji and i don't know it's like for me i got this like i just like i'm like yo if i type four sentences to you and you give me back a thumbs up i'm like you just <laughs> you just socially digitally disrespected me and i do not like that you know what i'm saying like i have this thing that don't ever give me a thumbs up when i gave you four sentences of my time no, and that's that's fair. I it's like a pet about... peeve of mine. I'm like, did you just try to brush me off? I should give that a try. And then I turn into the crazy stalker person because oh, you, oh, oh, I'm coming to you on Twitter now. <laughs> oh, you're brushing me off on Twitter? Okay, we're de- you're dead to me. I'm blocking you. That's it. <laughs> you know. So it's like you know, and I and I want to do a podcast on like the 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 little idiosyncrasies of of what goes on because I think, and I don't know if you'll agree with this, but social media, I think it's very groupy. I think mm-hmm. it's still very clicky. I think that you'll see a lot of people kind of stay in their lane and, right. you know, not coming in and business to business. And I, and I, man, people hate when I say this, but I really feel this way. Okay. You do a good job of, 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 you know, championing, you know, championing other brands, you know, and everybody will do it. But I think that there's brands that they don't play nice. Like they don't play nice back. And That's- Sorry, go ahead. No, I was saying that's true. I mean, I think for some people who are trying to reach out and shout out to kind of some bigger brands, they may they may find some hard to work with. I feel like, I don't know how you feel about Edmonton, but I felt like the Calgary local brands, by and large, people have been very open. So, for example, if I have a flat lay with other people's garments, yep. them, I'll almost always get a a comment back with a personally written kind of thank you, which I do appreciate. But then they, would they reciprocate that doing your, your, your brand? Well, we're a little tougher because you kind of have to make a bit of an investment, a bit more of an investment to have something visually in your feed from us. It would mean a pair of glasses or something like that. Yeah. But so, you, you do influencer programs cause you have the, uh, the, the dude from YYC cycle. I seen him in your feed, right? Yeah, he's somebody that I ended up connecting with with over Instagram, and he ended up becoming a patient of mine. So that was a ton of fun. So that was kind of a, a nice, authentic, genuine way of, you know, supporting each other. And we've done a few spin classes with their group and yep. love it. Yep. I feel like really what I'm trying to be careful about when it comes to our brand enthusiast program, and we, we tried it again this year. Um, 
as sort of me trying something new. And I think really what I want to be careful about is authenticity. I know it's a word that's really overused. No, no, yeah, yeah, no. But in my conversations with a lot of the people in our community who joined our enthusiast team, I really want them to have a genuine love for what we do and the products we carry. And I don't want it to seem gimmicky. I don't want it to seem sponsored. Yeah, yeah. way. Yeah. And if they really feel it from us, then... And, and vice versa, then I, I don't really want it to be something that we continue on if someone's feeling uncomfortable with it. You but know, here's really- the thing, though. You have to think from the marketing 101. If you mm-hmm. – you're okay, so influencer programs, brand ambassador, you call it brand enthusiast, all same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it, – oh, so, okay, I'm a, mar- like, I'm a marketer. I own a marketing company. But then I'm also an influencer on Instagram and then through other things. So I get brands that send me stuff for free all the time. But, you know, what I have to make sure of is that I actually like the product um, and I don't feel that they want me to for sure post something because they sent it to me. So if somebody approaches me, I make it very known that, you know, I'll check it out, but I'm not necessarily going to push it out if I don't feel like I actually like it. And then I, I try to be very simple and I like, let's say I do a hat company. I won't do like 10 hat companies. Cause <laughs> like that, it just looks like, you know, I'm just promoting sponsored hat come like, you know, where's the credibility. Right. But here's what I can say. Um, influencer programs are very powerful because especially if you're a company that's trying to gain traction in an audience, the influencer program I like better than you taking out an ad. And the reason that is, is, well, now it's just an advertisement, but you're basically giving me your product through somebody else's eyes. And it's a human because just remember, I mean, you know, somebody that has 10, 15, 20, you know, 30,000 followers on Instagram. If you give them something and then they, they shout you out, they got tons of following of people that are like, Hey, maybe I'll consider that that have, you know, two, 300 Instagrammers. So it's mm-hmm. it's interesting. I think if you have a good mix, like I hear what you're saying, you're very right. Um, I think if you overdo it, it can become, you know, not authentic. But I think if you do it smart, it can be pretty powerful. Well, that was sort of, and I'm so glad to hear you say that because that's really the vibe we're trying to get across. I chose kind of hand-selected uh, people to sort of approach about our enthusiast program because I wanted to you know, communicate and, and collaborate with people seem to share a lot of the same values our group shares. So there's enthusiasts who are into fitness. There's enthusiasts who are moms of kids. There's enthusiasts who um, are local entrepreneurs. And some of them have even become patients over the time that we've been communicating. So it's it's been a really great way to, to make those genuine connections. And that's really what we're trying to get across. I mean, there's a lot of groups on Instagram that you'll see that might, um, and groups that usually have a bit more behind them, more, more corporate national chains type idea will actually seek out people to do sponsored posts. But you can tell that it's not as genuine as maybe someone who's actually emotionally bought into somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, and that's sort of what we're trying to get across. I'd rather, you know, have people on our team who have fewer followers and are more engaged than someone who has a hundred thousand followers and just posts for, for payment or something like that. Right. So, yeah, you know what? It's storytelling. You know, it's interesting because I think like for what you guys do, especially with the glasses, I, yeah, I think the influencer program could be, could be good. But I, I also think that, um, you know, I like, I like it because I think that it gives you the ability to have somebody else kind of, you know, basically take a piece of your story and run with it. But I think what I like 
specifically is that if you actually develop an actual relationship, meaning that it's not a one shot off post, like it's somebody that's almost like, you know, the, the, my optum Calgary team or like, you know, somebody like where they're like, you're like, Whoa, like they legitimately have somewhat of almost a partnership. And mm-hmm. cause I think like, if you think about your patients, think about all the walks of life they go when they leave. Wow. You know, everything, you know, <laughs> and just to have your glasses, you know, take them on their journey. I mean, that's a hell of a marketing strategy. And I think you have to look at, like, I look at the automotive and the real estate, great industries to market. They're not being marketed well. They're trying to be, uh, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of change happening. But cars and homes, you know, some people says, say, hey, you know, here's a cool car. It looks really nice. It's really fast. I look at a car and I say, wow, this is a car that somebody could commit a crime in. I, somebody's going to die in. Somebody's going to take their first child to their first lesson. Somebody's going to drive in this car to the hospital to give birth to their first son or daughter. They're, like The car is irrelevant to what the, the car is going to do. If somebody mm-hmm. walks into a dealership and it's a mom and she says, yo, I have three kids and I need like three car seats to fit in. It's like what, you know, we sell the car not because of the car, but it's the, the story and the value of what the vehicle can do. Whereas your glasses, yeah, they're just glasses and you could just be an optometrist and that's, you know, the dentist could just be a dentist, but you could be a really awesome optometrist. You know what I'm saying? Well, you know, and that's the hope and that's what we're all trying to strive to do every day. And I think, you know, in terms of our enthusiasm program, you're right. We're totally open with them and said, this isn't, you know, something meant to be a flash in the pan. We are interested in you genuinely, and we want a long lasting relationship with you. And, you know, what actually even one of our enthusiasts replied back and said, I actually have an amazing relationship with my optometrist. I feel kind of you know, guilty that I'm interested in this opportunity. I said, look, I'm not looking to take you away from your optometrist. We're looking to inspire that same kind of loyalty that you have for him <laughs> with us. Yeah, yeah. And it's not about stealing people. If you have someone you love and trust, amazing. I'm glad, you know, someone's doing that for you. And if you change your mind, our arms are always open. Um, and in terms of striving to be great, I mean, isn't that what we're all trying to do day to day? I think. Yeah, we are. We are. For, and helping people to find a reason beyond just the product and the services to connect with your group. Right. We, it is, you know what it's, it is over and above. I, you know, glasses and yeah, glasses to me. I mean, yeah, I, 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 I think of glasses and I'm like the, the outfit and, and what they do to change the look of your whole persona is, uh, is crazy. And yeah, I do not have a, a glasses face where everything, like if I have a small, <laughs> frame it just looks weird on my on my face i need my tom ford thick or something like i like funky though you know it's easy it, it, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> no no not too not too not too much not too much but um other than that danielle uh this is the time to plug yourself where can people find you follow you and all that great jazz online absolutely so uh, social media networking, we're all at, at myoptom, M-Y-O-P-T-O-M-Y-Y-C. So that's for Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And our website is www.myoptometristcalgary.ca. Check perfect, perfect. Well, I want to thank you for having on the show. Stay on. I'm just going to do my little closing off. So, uh, uh Sorry. Thank you for having me. I had a ton of fun. Uh, thank you. And you're and you're not really an introvert. I think you're an extrovert. That's Anyways. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Anyways, everybody, uh, thank you so much for listening to episode 12 uh, with the amazing Jamaican, Calgarian, Morinville, Waterloo, Dr. Danielle Gordon, and her insights has been really cool. As always, please rate the podcast on iTunes or Google Play and follow me online at, at Reynolds One on all the platforms and visit my blog. Thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate you. <laughs>